didgeridoo means it's time for the Australian News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline, 26th of February, 2012. Well, good day, folks, and welcome back to the Australia Desks for episode 187. Uh, boy, Grant, uh, you look a little sunburned. You been out doing anything interesting today? Oh, I've been playing with aircraft all day long, mate. I was at the RAAF Air Pageant at Point Cook, the RAF Museum, and uh, we had the Sabre, we had P-51, we had P-40, the uh, Wiraway was there, the Boomerang, uh, all sorts of great aircraft were there. Uh, we had Windjills, we had six CT-4s, uh, we had some Cessna 195s. We had an Oster even. The Cadet couldn't fly, nor could the Sopwith Pup. It was a bit too windy for them. And the Tiger Moth, they all pulled the pin. Uh, quite windy and blustery. Um, three of the Southern Knights went up in their T6 Harvards. They did some formation aerobatics. The Roulettes weren't able to make it because they had only just got back from uh, Singapore and weren't able to make it. But they sent a Singleton down to do a solo exhibition. The Hawk, BAE Hawk, leader and advanced trainer, jet trainer, was there doing some nice uh, flying around. And all up a really good time we even had a Huey an old Huey from the Navy historical flight was there I uh, got to meet some really great guys putting together some very interesting replica aircraft including a, a Bristol uh, military box kite and a BE-2A from the UK uh, they and the Deep Odessin were three of the first aircraft to fly here in Australia at Point Cook in 1914 I hope they had a camera handy mate uh, yeah um, there were lithographs cameras and etchings taken so uh, David should be happy Yes, well, the closest I got today was driving my train down the Werribee line, and for our Victorian listeners will know exactly where that is. goes right past the other campus of RAF Williams, which Point Cook is part of. I tell you what, there's not much of that base left now that they've closed it, and uh, shock horror, Grant, if it's not bad enough that they're building uh, houses all over the old runway, they demolished the control tower at uh, Laverton, uh-huh. the other campus there, only a few months ago. Very sad to see, unfortunately. That base has been closed a long time, uh, but uh, yeah, might be progress, but sad to see an Air Force base decommissioned, at least for flight operations. Uh-huh. Indeed, mate. Indeed. That is very, very sad. Well, speaking of things that have been decommissioned, looks like uh, Air New Zealand is decommissioning some of their workforce. That's right, mate. Air New Zealand are acknowledging that uh, profits are sliding. Uh, we've had some reports that their profit was decreasing six months ago, and it's continuing to decrease. Uh, 61% slump in first half net profit to only $29.6 million. And Rob Fife is saying, unfortunately, that means 441 jobs will go by the end of June. 175 will be through redundancies, the remainder through attrition, but more may have to go. Yeah, really sad and uh, Rob Fife goes on to say further on in his statement that uh, rising fuel costs uh, along with weak demand in Japanese and European markets were behind the disappointing profit result. Air New Zealand is not the only airline this week that's uh, complaining about rising fuel costs as we see the uh, fuel go way back over 100 US dollars a barrel. Uh, We can imagine that would be even higher again for uh, processed uh, refined jet fuel so this is a really bad thing and you know, (laughs) let's not go into the carbon tax this week but uh, (laughs) we already see and of course New Zealand already have that sort of tax rate operating over there so that's pretty hard for small carriers like Air New Zealand yeah but Air New Zealand was doing a lot of good things they they had a lot of stuff going for them so if even a, an airline that most of us look at as showing how it's done is uh, having these big problems well mate I think it's going to be pretty tight times for everyone and maybe the other airlines just haven't been honest and owned up to it but it is interesting that they're talking about all these cuts and so on and uh, Virgin's reporting a significant increase in their profit uh, Borghetti is showing that his new 
new approach to running Virgin is having a great result. And so far, it looks like it's uh, leading the way with new profits for them. Yeah, that is great news for Virgin. And uh, they'd be uh, benefiting uh, quite significantly from the uh, recent Qantas shutdown that uh, wasn't very good for uh, Qantas in many respects. And, uh, you know, Qantas is jumping up and down about losing profits. Well, that's probably why uh, those passengers had to go somewhere. And if they're going to do that in Australia, well, really, the only other choice is uh, Virgin. Now, uh, speaking of Air New Zealand, Grant, uh, I see an article here in Flight Global this week that uh, it's not all bad news for Air New Zealand. In fact, uh, they've converted options for two more 787-9s. That's correct. They've now gone to a total confirmed order of 10. Uh, They acknowledge that they're going to need these aircraft to uh, burn less fuel and uh, be more economical and so on, carrying people around the place. They've gone to uh, 10. We'll see what happens, how long it takes, whether it slips out any further. Qantas have just acknowledged the fact that their 787s will be delayed by another six months, but most of us knew that was going to happen anyhow, and that just takes them back into line with the uh, current estimated delivery days. Uh, We'll see if those 787s have to slip even further. Yeah, interesting stuff. You know, it's interesting, Grant, that uh, at the moment, the 777 seems to be the the aircraft of choice for most operators uh, coming down to this part of the world. But, uh, you know, I reckon over the next decade or so, that, that may swing a bit to 787s as uh, more of them come into service. Be good for the plane spotters, if nothing else. Well, so long as they lose some weight and tighten up their act and get back online and don't have too many more maintenance issues and um, construction issues, the 787 has a lot of promise. Yeah, that's true. Well, another aircraft that did look like it had a lot of promise uh, for the Royal Australian Air Force in this case was the uh, C-27J Spartan. You may remember last year uh, that we uh, spoke about uh, the Royal Australian Air Force uh, confirming their intention to uh, really have a look at that C-27J and uh, probably get some to replace the Caribous that have been uh, retired now since late 2009. Mm, That may not happen now. Yeah, that's right, mate. We were looking at the baby Hercules. Things were looking pretty good for it. But uh, now that the US is slashing its military budget, they're looking at uh, early retirement for their C-27Js, not getting as many more. Uh, Mate, it's not looking really good for the C-27J and the US. And because of that, Australia is now turning around going, well, hang on, where's the uh, benefits of volume of scale? And uh, where's the benefits in terms of ongoing life uh, maintenance and upgrade and parts and so on that we would be able to ride the tail of if the US were continuing with their major C27J investment? All that's being pulled out. And as a result, that suddenly the C27J doesn't look as good for Australia and uh, the Airbus unit is starting to look better. And we may very well wind up with uh, their C295. Yeah. So, uh, well, that'd be interesting. I mean, Airbus will be rubbing their hands. The thing that I think about now is that, uh, you know, Grant, if the C-27J is no longer an option and perhaps even goes out of production potentially, well, you know, that's certainly going to, uh, under the rules of supply and demand, I guess, that's going to make the unit cost for a C-295 go up through the stratosphere. Well, it could do, it could do, but don't forget, uh, according to Airbus, the C-295 burns 60% less fuel for similar loads and sectors than the C-27J. So. Yeah, that might be all fun, mate, but all we want to know is can it do really cool barrel rolls at air shows like the uh, like the Spartan does? Yeah, well, look, the Baby Herc is uh, an absolutely amazing aircraft to watch when it's being thrown through the sky by a crazy Italian test pilot, but uh, whether that comes through to the C-295, whether we do wind up pushing ahead with the C-27, I don't know, but uh, mate, we were all excited, hoping for some more barrel rolls and a chance to go on a flight in one, and now thanks to the US cutting their uh, military budget, looks like it ain't going to happen. Hmm. But Boo. Boo, hiss. Well, that's about everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk, coming to you from Melbourne. You know, Grant, we're not the only people coming to you from Melbourne this week. Did you know that Dave Allen's on the show this week? Yeah, I'd heard that Ducky was going to turn up, and uh, that's that's really great. But uh, don't forget, we're from the place where you say Melbourne correctly. That's right. You stay over there in your Melbourne there, Dave Allen. We're, we're watching you, pal. Yeah, but I, I think it's really good that he's on the Airplane Geeks. It means he must have finally got out of his Incom T65 and parked it up and left R2 to look after it and come on over for a 
chat. So, you know, what more can I say, mate? But Red 5, standing by. You know, I've been to Melbourne, Florida once, you know. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's flew, still standing. I flew my Cessna down there. Yeah, and it's still flying. Yeah, I've been to Melbourne, Arkansas as well. It's just down uh. the road from Sydney, as a matter of fact. Mate, there's too many Melbournes. There you go. No worries. Well, while we contemplate that, from Melbourne, Australia, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm still Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. Southern Skies. Online Media.